0: Today we have a message, our fourth message in evangelism, and I didn't want these to be messages just in theory and like blah, 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 so we, we've we done the problem, we've done the research, we talked about evangelism last week, how we're looking for that pain point. This week we're going to be learning about, about evangelism, but we're going to learn it through someone who practices it, uh, uh, who doesn't carry the label of a professional minister. And so I'm gonna invite Evangeline Evangelina to come up here and she is going to be sharing with us what God has placed on her heart for this. And you know what's really awesome is Evangelina's devoted her life to Christ. And she's an awesome Christian. She loves Jesus and and she has this this lovely she has this ability to create feedback. Um, <laughs> She has this uncanny gift that is brought by the Spirit of God to simply do what all of us are asked to do. And, and I love that, that you know, you've, you've learned how to just bring Jesus into conversations. That at Promise, we call that spiritual leadership. Bringing God into the conversation where God wasn't going to be there. And so I've asked Evangelina to speak to us today. She comes with a lot of experience. She comes with the Word of God. And she comes with the strength and the might of the Holy Spirit behind her. And so um, I ask you to lend your ear and your heart. And to to learn from someone who's younger than most of us in this room. And so uh, God bless you as you speak today.
1: Um, good morning, Promise. So as Pastor Rob said, I'm going to be speaking about um, evangelism this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking about what it is and what scripture says about it and then how we can like practically do it. Um, so first, I'm going to start with the scripture of Acts 8 verses um, 26 to 40. If you want to open your Bibles there. Um So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and, um, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Um, so this passage outlines for us what evangelism is, and how we can go about doing it um, through Philip's example. So... Evangelism is telling the gospel um, through personal witness and through scriptures. Um, And so from this passage, we can gather a few things about what evangelism is. Um, The first thing is that there's no examples in the Bible of having to get to know someone for years and years and years before you tell them about Jesus. So in this example, Philip approached this man, um, not knowing anything about him, walked up to him and told him about Jesus. And he didn't say, hey, how's your day going? And they got to know each other, went out for dinner a couple times, and then he told him about Jesus. But he just approached him and told him about him immediately. Um, He told him right on the spot. And he did that through a process of three things. So the first thing is he listened to God. Um, In verse 29, it said the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So the first thing that Philip did was respond to that instruction. um, And then he ran to the man. In the next verse, it said he ran to approach the man. Um, And when we run to tell someone the gospel, um, it communicates that we're eager to tell them something important. He didn't wait for the man to come to him. He ran and approached the man. Um, And how we approach someone impacts how they receive what we're going to say. So when I was reading that, it kind of reminded me of Luke 15, which is the story of the prodigal son, where... um, The son leaves his father and betrays him, and when he comes back to his father and wants forgiveness, his father doesn't wait for him to just walk up and approaches him, but instead the father runs out to meet his son, which communicates that he's eager to see his son and welcome his son in. Um, So this this was a similar thing that happened to Philip, where he ran out to meet him and and said, "How, how can I tell you about Jesus? Like, how can I use what's in front of me to tell you about that? So... Evangelism conversations aren't always just going to come to you. Um, They're not going to knock at your door unless it's a Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) So how we approach someone impacts how they receive what we're going to say. And the third thing that Philip does in this passage is he uses what's in front of him to uh, tell the gospel. So the first thing he does is he observes what the man is doing. The moon was reading from Isaiah. The next thing he does is asks questions. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And the next thing he does is he boldly brings it back to Jesus. So he doesn't just see what the man is reading, and then he's like, that's great, you're reading the Bible, you're reading that, but did you know that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell? No. He, um, he uses what's right in front of him to tell him the gospel. Um, as I was preparing for this, I had a dream. Um, and in this dream, I was sitting in my kitchen, and I was talking to someone and um, I was talking to this girl. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. We were talking about God, and she said to me, I would never want to be a Christian because I don't want to have to work for God's love, and in my dream, I started like shouting at her, and I was like, no, you don't have to work for his love. You're wrong. You don't have to work for his love, and then she got mad, and she was like, okay, whatever, and then we walked along a little bit more, and we were like just sitting on like the stairs of my house, and she was like, um, I don't understand how there could be a God if this and this bad thing have happened to me and the people that I love. And she told me all these terrible things that happened. And in my dream, I went, oh no, but like, that's whatever. But you don't understand that, um, that God loves you and that you don't have to work for his love. And then she got angry and she was so angry. And she's like, well, that doesn't matter to me anymore. I'm telling you that I'm mad because bad things have happened to me and the people that I love. So the problem in front of her was, bad things have happened to me and to the people that I love. Um, but now the question about God's love was irrelevant. But in my dream, I just kept bringing it back to something that was kind of irrelevant to her now. Um, and um, I think through that dream, God kind of taught me that I have to use what's in front of me and we have to use what's in front of us to communicate the gospel. And when we don't do that, there's tension and, and anger um, when we don't use what's in front of us. It just causes tension and anger and kind of closed ears to actually what we have to say. Um, And I think Philip did very well at using what's in front of him. He said, do you know the scripture that you're reading? And then he told him the good news about Jesus. So that's what evangelism is. It's telling the gospel to others through personal witness and through scripture. So I have um, some simple examples of what evangelism is, but before I do that, I want to ask the question on Slack, Are what are some examples of what evangelism is and what it is not? Um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were, um, we were sitting down in this library, and I had like, Talk to them a little bit, like, I talked to them about God, but they tend to shut it down. Alas, they didn't like it. So I said, uh, what are you passionate about? And they were like, oh, I'm passionate about this and this and that. Um, what are you passionate about? And I said, God. <laughs> no big deal. And then we got to talk for, like, an hour and a half about what evangelism is. Um, sorry, about what God is through this evangelistic conversation that just didn't have to be that complicated. So, Um, Some examples of what I think evangelism is not is acting good so that God sees your, uh, so that others, acting good so others see God's character through you without words, but not actually telling them why you act like that. That's an effect of the gospel. That is not the gospel. Um, Telling someone that Jesus loves them and then running away. That's not the gospel. That's just half the gospel telling someone that they're going to go to hell unless they repent now, but not telling them the rest of the gospel, because that's half the gospel. (laughs) Um, These things are really good, but that's not the full gospel. If we only tell someone half the gospel, they're not going to understand the fact that they are a sinner, but Jesus died for them, and that they have the opportunity to be in heaven with him. We don't always need to tell people about their problems either. If we run up to someone and say, you're a sinner, you're gonna go to hell unless you repent now, that doesn't actually use the problems that are always in front of people because people have problems in front of them. They have pain points. Um, So a lot of people know that there's a lot of problems in this world, but we just need to help them understand the solution to their problems and that is Jesus. I'm just gonna look at the responses on Slack. Evangelism is not using a megaphone to tell people they are destined to go to hell. That's yelling at people. (laughs) Evangelism is not your story. It is your experience of how God has saved you. Evangelism is not about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next slack question I have are, what are some things right in front of you that you can use to help tell the salvation message? So... Uh, when I think of ways to start an evangelistic conversation, I think of, okay, what is the actual goal of evangelism? Like, what do I want to accomplish? Um, so I thought of the verse Romans 10, 9, which I remember from Moana, It says, if you do with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, so that's where we want to get evangelism to, is someone acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead. So evangelistic conversations should hold that theme, um, kind of two main themes, is professing that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead to overcome evil and forgive us of our sins. And number two, um, that you have pain caused by evil in the world and the sin in your life, and that Jesus is the answer to all of your pain points. Those are the two, two main themes, is that confessing that Jesus is Lord and that He has overcome the pain and evil in their life. And to get to these conversations, you don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to see lights shining down from heaven onto one person and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to tell them the gospel now. (laughs) No, uh, you should just think, does evangelizing with this person line up with what scripture says? Um, And it does. You have no excuses. Um, Mark 16, 15 says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's an instruction, which means we should follow it. Um, It's not. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. When it's an instruction, it's an instruction. So we go out and we do it. I think a better question to ask is, how can I evangelize this person in a way that is bold and clear and gracious? And how we can do that is, Um, by looking at the scripture that we read at the beginning um, and what Philip did. The first thing he did was he listened to God. In his case, it was a clear instruction from God, go onto this road and talk to this man. Um, And so whether we have that or just this instruction that Jesus gave us in um, Mark uh, to go out and preach the gospel to the world, we respond to God's instruction, we listen to God. The next thing we can do is run to the person um, and approach them with passion, approach them with boldness, because how we approach someone uh, impacts a lot how they receive what we'll say. And so uh, boldly approaching people, not just waiting for them to come to you, for them to approach you, but going out and using what's in front of you, what this person has already in their life, to bring it back to Jesus. Someone said, I ask, how are things between you and God? That's bold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. People's expectation after death is a great opportunity to share my expectations of eternal life based on my faith in the work of Christ on the cross. That can start some really interesting conversations. Some practical talk tracks to start evangelism conversations are, I think... I have used all of these in different contexts, and the first one is the five-finger gospel. So the five-finger gospel is, first, creation. Um, You're created for a relationship with God. And you don't have to use your fingers when you're saying this, by the way. You can just remember them. Um, So creation is telling someone, you're created for a relationship with God. That's your purpose. Um, But sin came in and severed that relationship, and the wages of sin is death. If you've done something wrong, that means you get the wages of sin. Um, And we have all sinned, so we all deserve death. But God had a plan for this, and his plan was to forgive us of our sins by sending the ultimate sacrifice. So the wages of our sin is death, which means death was needed, which for a long time happened through animal death, but then God had a plan um, to redeem us through Jesus Christ. And that's the next finger, redemption. So Jesus, the son of God, who lived a perfect life, took the punishment by his sacrifice and resurrection. And then repentance, all can be saved by repentance and confessing that Jesus is Lord and salvation. You invite them to receive this free gift. So that's the whole gospel. You just covered the whole Bible in five fingers. <laughs> um, the next one is like three-story evangelism. I didn't know about this one, and then I asked my dad, and apparently it's a thing, and I didn't even realize I use it already. And the three stories are you listen to them tell their story, and you tell your story, and then you tell God's story. Um, your story is a witness of God, which means it's powerful and it means that you're a witness of how he changes lives, but your story isn't the gospel, so tell God's story and you can do it by using that five-finger gospel, um, but too often we forget to include God's full story. It can be someone saying, oh, I feel in love and be like, oh man, I felt in love too. God loves you and they'll be like, okay, nice. But we shy away from telling people the whole story of the gospel because it's not always what people want to hear. Hearing that they're sinful and they're living in sin or hearing that um, they deserve hell. I mean, I know that's the hardest part for me is telling people that Living without Christ means you deserve hell. That's hard because we don't live in a society that wants to hear that they deserve hell. We live in a society that wants to hear that God loves them and that he's going to protect them no matter what, which is really true. It's so true, but that's not the whole gospel because that's not touching at all on how we live in sin, and that means the wages of our sin is death. Um, you can ask them about their passions and cares, um, and you can bring that back to Jesus exactly like Philip did. You can you can start completely average conversations, or you can start ones that say, what are things like between you and God? Or what do you believe happens after death? And if you know God, you know the gospel, and the gospel is all you need to be able to evangelize. If you know um, and you have witnessed personally that God has saved you from your sin and you will have eternal life with him, that means you have the ability to evangelize. Hmm. There's some really good things on Slack, but um, I'm going to end it here. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, uh, you are so good. You are a good God. You're full of goodness and God, I just pray that as we go out and we learn what it means to be disciples, um, that you can guide us and give us boldness in being disciples and starting conversations that are hard to start. God, I pray that you may bless those conversations and have favor on them as we learn learn how to um, just best describe you, best reflect your character, and best boldly um, proclaim why we reflect your character, God. Uh, Father, we lift this up to you and we ask and pray this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Evangelie. There's so much value in what you just brought, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, when I think about this congregation and I think about where we're at and I think about your experience in, in telling people about Jesus, um, I think you mentioned at some point in there, is like, hi, I'm passionate about God. Um, is that seriously something that you've done in, like, a setting where you're like, blah, 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 what do you care about? And you're like, I care about God?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, honestly,
0: what's the reaction you get from that?
1: Most often, people's reactions, oh, that's great, that's so nice. Like, you must you must care about him, you're nice. Right?
0: Just, huh? and, and it's just this really interesting thing where all of a sudden, now you are viewed differently than everybody else, isn't it? Yeah. And... and what I've observed is, is when we do that, when we proclaim our faith openly, then that's when people start looking at your life. See, if we don't proclaim our faith openly, people just look at you like you're a good person. And they have no link to be able to link that to the work of Christ in your life. Mm-hmm. And so answering a question openly and honestly mm-hmm. about what you're passionate about is such wisdom. So I want to thank you today for uh, for sharing with us and encouraging us to just run after people like Philip. Um, so thank you. Promise Church, thank you for being a part of our, our service today. Uh, we are so happy that you are here. We look forward to seeing you again next week uh, for our forum discussion. And uh, we're pretty excited about some of the questions that are going to come out and we're going to be talking about it and talking with you guys about it and uh, and listening to some of our challenges about evangelism. But Thank you very much, and God bless you. Um, If you have kids, then they will be out in about 15 minutes. No, I'm kidding. They'll be out whenever. So God bless you, and we'll have an awesome time.